0: To the Refinery Church podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Hey, let's get out our journals because I have missed being in my series, Unshaken. Everybody say, Unshaken. I've missed it. We took a little break for a couple of weeks. We did our missions night where we talked about what God is doing across the world. Uh, I actually put my daughter on a plane Uh, Is today Saturday? So I put my daughter on a plane Thursday. And today, so I put her on a plane Thursday night. Today she arrived in Ethiopia. Isn't that wild? She was traveling all that time. So she is now in Ethiopia on a 20-day missions trip where she's bringing the hope of Jesus Christ. Uh, to the men and women of Ethiopia. And so we had a great missions night a couple of weeks ago. Last week, as I mentioned, Pastor Alvaro shared. But I'm excited to get right back into unshaken, living above the chaos. And I've gotten a number of reports from people who said, boy, thank you, Pastor Kelly, for this series. It's been really encouraging and very practical for me in my everyday life. And so I'm glad to hear that. I've got some stuff that we're gonna be getting into tonight. So take out your journals and uh, get ready to write. Uh, If you don't have a journal, we have them available in the back, free of charge, no cost to you. Grab one as you're leaving today. The last time we spoke, I left off in the Old Testament book of Daniel, and we, uh, we hit where we're camping out for the summer. We, here at Refinery, we take one book of the Bible during the summer, and we go through that book of the Bible. And so last, last summer, it was Proverbs. This summer, we're going through the book of Daniel, and we're seeing this life of this man and his friends, these men who were unshakable in their faith. They lived a life that was unshaken. And so we're learning how to live that same kind of life. Previously, in my last message, uh, Daniel's friends were facing a dilemma. They were facing an extreme uh, amount of pressure to compromise their beliefs, their values, and their faith. The kind of pressure that hopefully you have to never experience, but maybe you do. This kind of pressure was causing a crisis in, the li- in their lives. Literally, the heat was on. Literally. Literally. If you remember, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar had built a statue of himself. This is where we left off in Daniel chapter 3. He He'd built a 90-foot statue of himself in honor of himself. I mean, talk about narcissism. Talk about self-obsessiveness right there. I mean, he, this was the ultimate selfie right here. Building a statue of himself for all the world to see when they would come nearby. He told everybody that they needed to bow down and worship at this statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's buddies, took issue with this because they knew that this was against God's clear instructions, that that no no other god should be worshipped above God. No person, no thing should be worshipped beyond him. And the king threatened and said, If you don't do this, anybody who does not bow... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw them into a pit of fire, a fiery furnace. This is pressure. This is huge. Imagine the kind of pressure if you go into your job one day and your boss says, okay, if you don't start worshiping my gods, I'm going to fire you. Okay, that, that, that's pressure. Though, Oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my bills? These guys, their lives were literally on the line. It was a crisis. Here was their response, if you remember from Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. Here's what they said. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will, everybody say will. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you have set up. We learn from these guys four simple things. This is what we learned last time. How to handle pressure. One is, don't worry. Two, remember God's power. Three, believe that he will save you and be bold. That's what we learned the last time we were together. And if you missed out on it or you haven't, it's been a while since you heard it, go back and listen to our podcast on iTunes or check out our website and click on sermons. Today, we're going to look at what happened next. And the title of today's message is Beat the Heat. Beat the heat. Kind of a good summertime theme, don't you think? Let's beat the heat. I heard a newscaster say that this week. Hey, we're going to beat the heat. Well, this is how these guys beat the heat and how we can beat the heat in our life as well. These guys had a problem. It was a life and death crisis. And I've learned personally how God works in my life when I'm facing a problem. How how God works in my life when I'm dealing with a crisis. And I found that there are three ways that God saves me through a crisis or delivers me from a crisis. I I found these things, and and you guys might be able to relate to this. Sometimes God saves us from the crisis. Everybody say from. From. Sometimes God saves you from a crisis, and you probably know the kind I'm talking about. He helps us avoid the fire, right? I mean, this is what I call a divine detour. And, and, And that's pretty much our favorite one, right? That's what we pray for. God, just get me out of this, right? That's the one we all hope for. That's the fun one. Um, it, it tends to be the best one. It's kind of like when the, the police officer pulls you over, right, for speeding. You know you were speeding, right? And he pulls you over, and you're like, oh, no, and you suddenly go, man, there, there goes that, that new purse I was going to buy or there goes that little, you know, now it's going to interfere with my vacation. You know, you know what's coming down the line. And the, the police officer pulls you over and he lets you off with, uh, with, with just a warning. Ah, how does that make you feel? Ah, You missed it, right? That's, that's what we feel like when, when we avoid the crisis or we're, we're safe from the crisis. You know, God could have done that with these guys right here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He could have saved them from the crisis. But God says, no. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Sometimes when you're in, the, in a problem, God will take you out of it. That's the nice way. But then secondly, sometimes God saves us through the crisis. Everybody say through. He saves us through the crisis. We walk through the fire. Now that one's not as much fun. That one requires the other F word, faith. Faith. Not that other F word. Faith. He doesn't take you away from the problem, but he takes you through the problem and gives you the strength to get through it. It's like going to the gym. I mentioned the gym earlier. I don't like going to the gym. I go through the gym so that I can get stronger. It's not fun for me. I have to motivate myself to get there. Why? Because it's painful. It's tiring. It's embarrassing because I'm a 50-year-old man with a dad bod, okay? And I get on the treadmill and I'm running. I look next to the 20-something-year-old guy and I go a little faster, you know, trying to keep up with him. It, it's, it's tough. It's a fire. But you know what? At the end, I'm stronger. I'm healthier. God doesn't always take away the problems. But you exit the crisis stronger. And he takes us through the crisis. The third thing that I've seen that God does is he sometimes God saves us by the crisis. Everybody say by. By the crisis. What I mean is sometimes the problem is not the problem. You know what I mean? What I'm talking about is this. The problem that you're going through saves you from the real problem the big problem, the big issue. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes God saves us by the crisis. I had a friend of mine, his name was Ryan. And uh, Ryan had a, uh, a stomach ache that was bothering him. And rather than put it off, he decided, you know, I'm just going to go to the doctor. This seems kind of weird. It's been going on for, gosh, a couple of weeks. He goes to the doctor and he gets checked out. And the doctor finds that he has testicular cancer. Yeah. Thankfully, they caught it early. They were able to deal with the cancer, and now he's cancer free. But that little stomach problem led to discovering what a bigger problem was, and the bigger problem could be dealt with. You see, sometimes God saves us by the crisis because the problem is what saves us from the real problem. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes a smaller problem is a warning sign to get our attention for the bigger issues. And God allows problems because he wants to save you. You see? And this is hard sometimes for young people to understand. The problem you're going through might lead to recovering from a bigger problem. Take a look at this passage from the New Testament, this encouragement from Peter, the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-7 through 7 say this. It says, So be truly glad. <clears throat> there's wonderful joy ahead. I love how he starts with that. Be glad. There's joy ahead. Look ahead, because you must endure many trials for a little while. He, he puts a little sugar with the medicine right there, right? Okay, be joyful. Be thankful, because there's joy ahead. But you're going to go through some trials. Verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and what? Purifies. Another translation says, refines the gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. We see that God is at work, working through or by the crisis. Why is that? I know some of us might even think, you know, and I kind of see a scowl on a couple of people's faces. Why would God allow me to go through pain on this planet? Listen. You know what's more important than your comfort? Your character. Your character is more important than your comfort. Your character is going to sustain you. Your character is going to get you promoted. Your character is what defines you more than your comfort. God cares more about your character than your comfort. And listen, this ain't heaven. This is earth. And Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble guaranteed. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. There is hope. There is hope. This isn't heaven. In heaven, there's no sorrow, no suffering, no pain, no sickness, but we ain't there yet. We're in preschool. That's what this is. This is preschool. This is where we get to learn. This is where we get to grow in faith. And faith only comes when you have to be faithful. Know what I'm talking about? Right now, God is building us. And if life were incredibly easy, you never had problems, you'd never learn anything, and you'd never have to have faith. Parents in here, if we give our kids everything they ask for, if we give our kids everything they want, every time they want it, we protect them from all the pain, we protect them from all discomfort, you know what's going to happen to these kids? my goodness, they're going to be self-centered, selfish brats. And nobody's going to want to be around them. There's a word that has been floating around for the last 10 years. You probably heard it entitled. Yeah. That's what happens when, when we insulate our children from every discomfort, every pain, every disappointment. When we do that and they get off into the real world, right? And they grow up, wait a minute, this is painful. Wait a minute, this is uncomfortable. Right, right. So parents, let the kids fall down. Let them get scraped up a little bit. My dad used to say, rub some dirt in it, you'll be fine. We know now that's probably not the best thing. Spray some Bactine. God uses these things to purify us. God's more interested in your sanctification that is becoming like Christ than he is in your security. That's hard sometimes to realize. But listen, here's an example. I mentioned my friend Ryan. I got another friend. Lives in South Orange County and he faced bankruptcy back in 2008, 2009 when the economy went into the toilet. He faced bankruptcy. And boy, he had to change his lifestyle. Him and his wife, were used to live in high society. They had to sell their big house. They had to downsize and rent a small house. Ooh, major adjustment in their lifestyle. But through this crisis, he sought God. See, because when he was living that high life, he didn't need God. At least he didn't think he needed God. He was fine. Beautiful country club, golf course that he played at every Sunday. I'd invite him to church. Come on, why don't you? Because at that time I was pastor in a church. We, we met on Sunday mornings. And I said, why don't you come? Be? Oh, no, I can't, man. I, I, got a, I got a standing golf game every Sunday morning. Okay. He goes, if you ever have a Saturday night church, just let me know. I wish I was talking to him now. I'd invite him here. <laughs> but listen, through the crisis, by the crisis... He had to give up playing golf on Sunday mornings, couldn't afford it anymore. Guess where he showed up? Showed up to church, gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. He saved. He was saved by the crisis. It worked. The problem was worth it? Definitely. The problem was worth it. He's recovered. He's learned how to live not so high, but he's learning how to live real good. He has more peace. He tells me he sleeps better at night than he ever has before. Isn't that beautiful? By the crisis. So these are three ways that I've seen that God works in and through crisis situations. And I hope that's a practical encouragement to you. But now let's take a look. Let's get back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's see how the king responded to their standing up. And let's see how God met them. Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 23. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and their other garments. Verse 22, and because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. That thing was hot. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Okay, the king responded to them standing up for righteousness, and the king did what he said. The heat is on. Now, Let's see what God does. And I found in these next few passages, I found four things that we can apply to our own life, into our own situations. And when we do that, our faith will increase and we will be able to beat the heat. When you feel like you're going under, when you feel like everything is coming at you and you're under enormous pressure, These four facts will help build your faith and see you beat the heat, I promise you. The first one is this, take a look. God will walk with me. Let's all say that together. God will walk with me. You need to say that, you need to hear that, you need to believe it, that God will walk with me. You are not alone. Did you hear me? You are not alone. God promises over and over and over again in the Bible that those who trust him will not be alone. Never. Never. His presence will be with you. Let's, let's, here's an example. Daniel. Let's get back to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Now we're going to look at verse 24. They're tossed into the fire. And let's look what happens. But suddenly... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and he exclaimed to his advisors, whoa, 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 didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Well, yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Verse 25, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see how many? Four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. The New King James translation says he looks like the Son of God, which I believe was a prophetic word because the reality was it was the Son of God. This was, theologians call it the pre-incarnate Christ. Pre meaning before, incarnate meaning carnal or flesh. Jesus was at work before he came here and took on the body of Jesus that we all kind of are familiar with there in the New Testament. Jesus was at work in the Old Testament. And here's one example of Jesus at work in the Old Testament. Jesus, before he had his body, Jesus was there in the fire, walking around with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he promises to walk through the fire with you. He'll walk through the fire with you too. Jesus, when he was here on earth, He re-emphasized and reiterated the promises from the Old Testament. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's hard for some people to understand because they've been abandoned. They've been abandoned by parents. They've been abandoned by friends. They've been abandoned by spouses. They've been abandoned by people who said, trust me. Listen, Jesus ain't your friend like that. Not that kind of friend. Jesus isn't like those kind of parents. See, Jesus is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And he says he'll be there and he will. He is always present. Almost the very last words that Jesus gave when he gave the great commission before he goes back to heaven were these words. He said, I will always be with you to the very end of the age. And then he says it again, I'll always be with you. Everybody say always. Always not sometimes, not when it's convenient, not when he has time. Always. You're not alone. You're not alone. You never go through this fire alone. These boys, these men, they, they had a promise. Matter of fact, 200 years before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Abednego were tossed into this furnace, the prophet Isaiah gave these words, and I shared it the last time, and let's take a look as a reminder, this promise from God. Isaiah 43, two through three say, when you go through the deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. Everybody say, I will be with you. you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you don't have to drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you for I am the Lord. These boys, these men knew this verse. They'd been trained in this as children. So I guarantee you, as they were being bound up and tossed into the furnace, they were remembering the words of Isaiah and they probably even began to proclaim it over their lives. God, you have said that I will face the fire and walk through the fire of my oppressors and I will not be burned up. The flames will not consume me for you are my God. I'm sure they were. And I know it because they didn't. By the way, did you notice there in that verse, the very first word? What's the very first word? When you go through deep waters. Not if. (laughs) When. We're going to go through tough times, right? When you go through deep waters. When you face the fire. It is a certainty in your life. But here's another thing. If you make Jesus your Lord, if you trust in God, He will be with you. See, when is gonna happen, if is up to you. If is up to you. If is up to you. I don't like to go through stuff alone. I don't like to go through, I don't like to have good times alone. I don't like to have bad times alone. There have been a number of times, uh, because of my roles and responsibilities, I've gotten to travel to some really wonderful places. Uh, there was a season where I was going to, to Hawaii a bunch because of there's some churches out there that I was connected to. And sometimes I would go alone. And, you know, I'd fly into Hawaii. I'd look around. Man, this is so beautiful. This is like paradise. This is gorgeous. I wish there was somebody to share this with. Because I didn't have anybody with me. My wife didn't come with me. My kids didn't come with me. And I hated sharing that alone. I also hate going through bad stuff alone. How many of you guys don't like to go through bad stuff alone? Be honest. Yeah, it, it's the old adage. Misery loves company, right? I'd much rather go through, go through it with somebody. And that's one of the things I like about marriage. I, my wife and I have been married 30 years this year. This December, we celebrate 30 years of marriage. Absolutely. Go ahead. Come on. Yeah. Woo! Did it. Did it. We're, we're, we're looking to get through to 31. 30 years of marriage, and we've gone through good times and bad times together. And I love getting to go through it together. Through richer, through poorer, sickness and health, good and bad. Jesus will walk through the fire with you, and you don't have to do it alone. The second faith builder is this. God will burn off what ties me down. It's what I see there in the scriptures. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? If we look back, take a look back at these verse. Take a look back. Let's go back this one. Look at this. We're going to look back at 23. They tied them up. They tied Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all up. They bound them up tightly. The strongest men in the army bound them up. They knew what they were doing, right? These guys couldn't just wiggle out of this stuff. They weren't going to get out of this. Verse 23, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, comma, securely tied, comma, fell into the roaring flames. But did you notice what happened? Bible says in verse 25 that Nebuchadnezzar looked and they were walking around. They were, how, how'd they start walking around? They weren't hopping around, you know? They weren't rolling around in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar said they were walking around. See, they were freely walking, which meant that the fire did burn something up. It burned up the ropes, the things that were holding them back, the things that were keeping them from being exactly who God had created them to be. Fire is good at burning away the things that are hindering us, impurities, ties that are restricting us. Gold goes through a refiner's fire. Isn't that right? Gold goes through a refiner's fire to get rid of the impurities that hinder its effectiveness and its beauty. I've done some research and gold is actually one of the best conductors for electrical equipment. Do y'all know that? Some very expensive sound equipment. Some of our sound guys are going, yeah. Some very expensive sound equipment has gold Connectors. And they're very expensive, aren't they? And they're the best. Because gold is one of the greatest conductors. But if it has impurities in it, it loses its effectiveness. It loses its conductivity because of the impurities. And so it needs to go through the fire. Fire. To burn off all of those impurities so that it can be truly effective. Question. What's tying you up? What's binding you? What's keeping you from being who you've been created to be? What impurities or limitations are are in your life that God wants to burn off and get rid of? Sometimes we wonder, why are we going through this fire? And sometimes we need to look to God and say, God, what, do you want, what are you trying to burn off? You're trying to refine me. What are you trying to do here? Is it doubts, insecurity? Is it attitude? Is it faithlessness? Is it negative habits? Is it addiction that's holding you back? Tying you up? These things will keep you from being exactly who God's created you to be. And my desire is that God would bring people and there a transformation would take place at Refinery. See, that's why we're called Refinery. Because we believe that God can and will transform people's lives. And a Refinery is a place where the impurities can get burned off and burned out. So you can be free to be who God's created and called you to be. That's our desire, and that's what God's desire is. He'll use the fire to burn these things off. Ooh, and that's hard to accept sometimes. But if in faith we say, God, yes, do it, then you can be set free to be who God's created you to be. If you ask a goldsmith, hey, goldsmith, how do you know when gold is ready?" when it's purified, when it's at its full potential. A goldsmith will say this, goldsmith, silversmith, they'll say, when I look into the crucible and I can see my reflection. After the dross has been taken off and I can see my reflection. You see, God's looking and he wants to see his reflection in you. He wants to see his reflection in you. And and when you are more Christ-like, when your life begins to look and act like Jesus, that refining process is working. You're becoming purified. And it's the refiner's fire that produces that, burning the stuff off that holds us back from being exactly who God's created and called you to be third faith builder, is this. God will make sure I am unharmed. Let's all say that together. God will make sure I am unharmed. You need to hear this. God will make sure that I am unharmed. Daniel chapter three, let's continue. Verses 26 through 27. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Boy, his tune has changed, hasn't it? Come out and come here. Hold on, pause there for a second. How many men did he see in there? How many did he see? But how many did he call? Do you think he was a little afraid of calling that fourth one? I think he was. I think he's thinking, yeah, I want Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to come out there, but that other guy, I don't want him out here. He looks like God. Mm. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the king counselors, they all gathered around. They couldn't believe their eyes. And they saw these men, I love this, on whose bodies the fire had no power. I love that translation. My gosh, that should get you so excited. They saw these men, whose bodies the fire had no power. The fire had no power on them. The fire had no power. Oh, it burned off the stuff that was holding them back, but it didn't affect them because the fire had no power. You need to hear this. When you're in a fire and you're facing it, you got to remember that fire has no power on you because God is with you. And he will never leave you or forsake you. He'll use the fire to purify, but it will not harm you. It will not harm you. And the satraps and they wanted to gather together and they saw these men whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not even on them. That's a miracle in itself. Have you ever been camping? Everything smells like that campfire. Your backpack, your, your sleeping bag, everything smells like smoke. Not these boys, not these men. Total miracle, not even the smell of smoke. I can't avoid that. I go down to the beach and I walk along the beach. Now I smell like smoke. You know, I've been talking about how these guys are unshakable, right? Well, now, now I'm seeing that they're unbakable is really what they are. <laughs> I, mean, you, I know, but dad joke, right? I got another one. The king was trying to hook him; he couldn't even cook him. How's that? Thank you. Thank you. Why is that? Because God is on their side. God is on their side, and these men stood in faith, and God was going to make sure that they came out unharmed. See, you need to get the promises. The that's right. You got to get the promises of God in your heart so that when you're in the fire, you can say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, and you stand in faith and you begin to proclaim passages of scripture that come welling up out of your heart, like Romans 8.31 that says, if God is for me, who can be against me? Why do we read the Bible? Why do we memorize scripture? It doesn't come because of some religious duty. It's because God, I want to know what you said so that I can believe it and stand on it. Like it says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you face something that seems like an overwhelming obstacle, you begin to stand on the promises of God's word and say, I am a child of the living God and God, you have said that I can do all things through you, Christ Jesus, who strengthened me. I can do this. Stand on Psalm chapter 91. Matter of fact, that whole chapter, you should have that memorized. You should put that up somewhere and be reciting that over your life. Particularly verse 11 that says, he orders his angels to protect my going out and my coming in. We told our daughter, Emma, as she was getting ready to get on the plane. I said, you know what? That whole plane should be thankful that you guys are on here. Why is that? Because the Bible says that God gives his angels charge over you to guard your going out and coming in. So that person on your left and person on your right, good for them that you're in that plane. I know that sounds arrogant. That might sound a little cocky, but I stand on God's word and I believe it to be true. Dozens of other passages of scripture remind you that you will come out of the fire unharmed. It may be tough. There may be some things burned off that you were holding on to. But when you get through it, the purification, the refining, you come out on the other side smelling good. The fourth one. I love all these, but I love where this fourth one goes. It will bring unbelievers to God. Can you believe it? Your life going through a fire can bring people to God? The hell you're going through could bring people to heaven? It's true. How you handle difficulties, how you handle pain, how you handle problems, disappointment, and crises in your life can be your greatest testimony of faith. I don't mean fake. I mean real faith. It demonstrates the reality of faith in your life. Is it real? Or is it religion? See, religious faith won't hold up under the fire. Religious faith does not hold up under fire. But real faith goes through the fire and comes out stronger on the other side. People are watching you. Listen, people are watching you. And they want to see, is this person real? If I freak out when I face a problem, you know what that says to people? Yeah, His faith isn't very strong, is it? He says he trusts in God, but he's over there freaking out, crying in the corner like a baby. Makes my faith seem insincere. Makes my faith seem insecure. But When you're faithful to God and you trust God when you're in pain and you trust God when you're under pressure, when you're under the fire, people see it and they say, How's she doing that? How's he doing that? And it becomes your testimony to say, I believe that God is true and I believe his word to be stronger than this situation. It becomes a testimony of God's grace and power in your life. And that's what people want. They want a real God, not a religious one. They want real faith not religious faith. Because real faith, a real God, has real power to make a difference. Let's see how Nebuchadnezzar reacts to his test, this testimony. Let's see what Nebuchadnezzar says in verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Boy, he has changed his tune, hasn't he? He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, now, now check him out. He, he wants to jump on the bandwagon. Here he goes. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speaks a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they'll be torn for limb from limb. Their houses will be burned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar had the right motivation, but he seemed to be back in some old habits, you know. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, he got it. And that last line, there is no other God who can rescue like this. Let's all say that together. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Oh, that's good for us today. See, that statement that Nebuchadnezzar made 2,500 years ago is still prominent today and still true today. There is no other God. And and I love that lowercase g, God. That, That means the gods of this world. And the gods of this world are fame, fortune, finance, and all the other words that we can place in there. There are no other gods who can rescue like this one. Fame, fortune, finance won't do it. God will. God will. There's no other God who can rescue you. No one's going to bail you out. You can't rescue yourself from every single problem that you have. You know that. You need someone to help you beat the heat. We all do. You need a savior. A Savior is one who saves. And the same Savior that was walking in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the same Savior that wants to walk with you, wants to be with you, who wants to beat the heat with you. His name is Jesus. He was there in the furnace 2,500 years ago. And he can be in your furnace today, walking with you. Listen, we all face pressure. We all face crises in our life. Where will you look? Who will you depend on? Who will you stand for? Will it be Jesus? Because he'll be with you. We don't have to go through it alone. We can call to him, he'll answer. And he'll be with you. We have a Savior who wants to be with us and sustain us. I don't have it for the screen, but listen to this. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Everyone. Would you join me in prayer? I'm going to invite you to take a moment of privacy, closing your eyes just to kind of tune out all that's going on as we wrap up our time together here today. If you're in a fire or you're expecting a fire, it's time to call on Jesus right now, right now. Maybe you've walked with Jesus for many years, but you're feeling like the pressure's on. You need to just remember who you are and who he says he is and how he will be with you. And you need to ask him right now, Lord, increase my faith so that I can go through this fire unharmed like you've promised. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus tonight, your night. And we want to make this opportunity every single week to say yes to Jesus right now. To say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. Be with me, walk with me. Be my Lord, be my Savior. If that's you here tonight, you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time, would you just slip up your hand for just a moment? We'll just pray with you together. So I'm saying yes to Jesus tonight for the very first time. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word that's instructive to us, it's encouraging to us, it's challenging to us. It's preparing us. And the reminder is, Lord God, that you will be with us. I thank you, Lord, that you promise that you'll always walk with me. That you're going to burn off what ties me down. You're going to make sure I'm coming out unharmed. And through this, oh Lord God, my life will be a testimony to those around me. If you're going through a fire right now, I just pray this prayer over you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, make yourself real. Let each and every person who's going through a fire right now know that you are right there with them, getting them through this and seeing them through on the other side. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearyrefinery.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at We Are Refinery. God bless.